All right. So for the last two weeks on the podcast, we've had a lot of fun because we've been taking a little bit of a jaunt through The Act of Marriage, and which was the book on Christian sex that was given to people of my generation when they got married, and it scarred me for life. And we had a lot of fun looking back on why as I read quotes to Becca and Connor and got their opinions and their reactions. Lots of fun. And now I thought that I would take another step back and ask a broader question, because this is something that Rebecca and I have noticed. Um, Just for context, we are in the middle of frantically writing our new book, The Great Sex Rescue, which will be out next spring. So in about a year, it's due in the publisher in May. And so we've been reading all of these wonderful Christian sex books. Um, that we never read before, just to see what they said so that we could get some of the ideas of how women um, got some of the ideas about sex that we have. And we've noticed a theme, haven't we, Rebecca? We have. And that is that when Christian books are written by men, they tend to be quite... Explicit. Yes. (laughs) And now this is coming from the people who wrote the blog post, How to Find Your Wife's G-Spot, and all ended the All About Erections podcast. So like, we're okay with talking about real things. Absolutely. And yeah, and and I give my girl talk around North America. I I do an anonymous Q&A session in that talk where people write in the most explicit questions. I don't screen the questions. I read them right then and there and I answer them. I will say any words that you want me to I will I will talk about vibrators and sex toys and orgasms and all of that stuff no problem whatsoever but (laughs) there's just something that is kind of icky with the way that a lot of these books talk yeah it really is because it's very different to talk about explicit things in a more general manner versus giving someone explicit instructions on how they should personally do something explicit to themselves or to their spouse. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you two examples. Okay, so Becca, you have not actually read the book Sheet Music by Kevin. No, I haven't. Okay, so I am going to read to you. So you've never heard this. um, And I'm going to read to you. Unless it's one of the quotes you've already read to me. No, I have never heard this. No, I have not. (laughs) I have not. Okay, so here's an example of advice, which I think is fine. Okay, this is the kind of thing which, which, okay, we're all good. So here we go. Um, You'll also want to vary the intensity, location, and duration of these caresses. What feels good for two minutes may become painful after three. Usually a lighter teasing touch is the preferred route. But as a woman nears orgasm, she may want a more vigorous and direct touch. This is the advantage of married sex. Over time, you'll learn what your spouse prefers. Yeah, that's so, that's fine. I still think just in general, the word caress is a little creepy. I am going to say that <laughs> if I'm allowed yeah. to say that. But mm-hmm. I, I that immediately made me go a little bit, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that's more of a personal thing. I think in general, I think that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of truth to it. And it encourages people to, you know, study their spouse. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I want to read you. A few more paragraphs, and I'll just pause along the way for you to react. And this is these are this is just one example. This isn't like there are more that are even more so than this. Okay, but here we go. So 
Kiss her behind the ears. Work your way down her neck. Spend some time around her breasts. Don't forget that lovely spot inside the elbow and then teasingly skip over her midsection and work your way down her legs. That spot behind the knees can drive a woman wild if you know how to lick it just right. Such Ew. soft... Ugh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Such soft places can come alive with feeling during a leisurely set season of lovemaking. As you change direction, you may find that there's something about gently kissing a woman's inner thighs that makes her slide downwards. If you do this right, slowly working your way back up north, your wife will be practically, or maybe if you're lucky, literally, begging you to kiss her in the right place. Oh, gosh. Sorry. When you've got her really wanting it and you provide that soft, sensual kiss, you can make her start biting the pillow for fear she'll wake up the kids. Why do I feel like you're reading me porn? I guess that's the question that I have. It's like, this is supposed to be, like, that's the problem that I have with this. I'm just like, this is uncomfortable. The thing is, okay, we are a family who runs an online business where we talk about sex, okay? We are writing a sex book as a mother-daughter duo with, with a friend, obviously, like, it's not just the two of us, but it's like, Joanna doesn't have the same kind of relationship as, mm-hmm. you know, mother-daughter mm-hmm. thing, right? So, so mm-hmm. it's a little less awkward in that sense. But, like, we do that and we're able to maintain a sense of just privacy around this mm-hmm. whereas like as you're reading that I'm like I am so physically uncomfortable with that <laughs> like that is so it's like I'm sorry but Kevin Lehman I don't want to know how you get your wife to want oral sex from you like that's I don't want to know that okay well here's some more <laughs> okay okay ready Here's a particularly nice position for this. Facing her feet, slide your right hand under your wife, under her bottom. Your fingers are right there waiting to do a little dance on your wife's genitalia, and your mouth has full access to her most pleasurable regions. The edges of her clitoris and the folds of the labia are all there for your fingers and tongue to work together. And then I'll just go down a few sentences. Don't just sit on your hands, by the way. Let your fingers touch wherever your tongue can't reach. The combined stimulation will send your wife writhing. Reach up and caress her breasts or stimulate her clitoris with your fingers while you lick lower. Or gently kiss her clitoris with your mouth while you penetrate her vagina with one or two fingers, perhaps reaching for her spot. So. Like, I mean, and again, like, we're not saying that anything that he's describing is wrong to do. It's more just like, okay, you know, here's, here's the thing. If Connor were to have a friend who came to him for sex advice before he got married, he's like, dude, don't know what I'm doing. Want to make sure it's good for her. I wouldn't want him to spell out in explicit detail what he does to me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that is so inappropriate. That is such a violation of my mm-hmm. privacy. That is so violating of my privacy to think that my husband would say something like that. And it might be that he has his wife's permission. Mm-hmm. But the thing is... I did not give permission for him to picture me like that. And when someone writes a book where they're that explicit, it feels really, really weird. Yeah, look voyeuristic. Yeah. It does. It feels like he's going to be standing over the bed watching what your husband's doing. Be like, ah, sorry, you're a half inch over to the right. If you could just sketch it over there, get that finger over there. And like Like, we were talking about with the act of marriage, that that one's even more explicit. And we we talked about some of that already in other podcasts, but you know, like stay at a 45 degree angle, do your this with your hand until she does this. And it's like, it, it, it sort of feels like a paint by numbers thing. Yeah. And I think the problem is that a lot of times, I think that we're trying to fix a problem 
by going about it the wrong way, right? Because the whole point to me, sex is different in marriage than it is when it's simply a casual encounter or over, you know, Tinder or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's different in marriage because of the mystery of it. This is something that only you and your spouse have. Like this is something that is private to you. This is something that, you know, you can you can revel in the fact that no one knows you like he does and so Mm -hmm. when someone comes along and deigns to say i know how you work and in in essence honestly the book reads like if you know you just do what i do your wife will orgasm no matter what in other words if you're as good of a lover as me you should have no problems and that's what the problem is when it's explicit and that's the problem with when things are this explicit because orgasm doesn't only happen because certain motions were performed there are so many things that goes into a female's orgasm Mm -hmm. and when we reduce it to simply tweak this twist that lick this kiss that it becomes (laughs) really really icky it does and i there's something about hearing it from a male and it seems like a lot of the books that i read about sex for men are like that now i think these men truly meant well and and i think it could be that other men reading this don't have the same reaction as a lot of women do but I've had a number of women telling me that they find this really icky and 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 let's even just bring it um back to the blog for a minute because this is something that we do know for for a fact is that the most explicit commenters we get on our blog are often men and 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 by explicit I I mean let's say that someone's talking about how they have difficulty with orgasm and then yeah and then a male commenter will come in and say what I do is this, I put her feet at this angle and I rub her like this and then I lick her like this and then I do, and it's just like, okay, that's too much. But the thing is, these men are not only saying what they do. Then It's like they also brag about how then she's just screaming for more and I feel her writhing around me and that's how yeah. I know that I got her to come. And Like, it's all this gross kind of... It, it, the thing is, when men tend to talk about women in this way it feels very much like I have conquested her Mm -hmm. even in very loving situations because they don't send I just don't think that they realize how personal this can be for women because for men it isn't as personal because there's no real question about whether or not it's going to feel good in the same way obviously there are men with ED and PE and stuff like that but like Things are kind of easy on this realm for a lot of men. Mm -hmm. And also, they don't have to literally have someone inside of them. Right. Right? There is a lot more vulnerability and personal aspects to sex for women. Mm -hmm. And so when men come in and they're like, yeah, I did this and I did this incredibly intimate thing to this very intimate part of my wife's body. Because I'm sorry, but penises are not as intimate as a woman's labia, vulva, vagina, whole area. Right. They just aren't. There's a reason everyone knows the word for penis, but very few people actually know where their labia is. Right. You know, th- there is something more secret. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing right now is a totally different conversation. But there is something very personal mm-hmm. about a woman's genitalia and a woman's sexual experience. And so when men come around and talk about women's sexual experience the way that they would talk about their own, mm-hmm. it is incredibly uncomfortable because it's like, I don't want to know how many times you get your wife to orgasm in that graphic detail. 
Yeah, and I have a hard time with those comments because I know that the guys who leave them mean well. Like, they honestly do. They're honestly trying to help. Well, and And they're the husbands who are taking care of their wives and are like, I want my wife to love sex. Exactly. they're good guys. It's just they just don't understand how for a lot of women, reading those kinds of comments are going to make them clam up and, like, physically tighten up. Yeah, like it, it it feels invasive, and so you know I, I go th- and, and so I used to I used to err on the side of letting them through because I I knew the heart behind it, and and I mean in some ways they were helpful, but then I just had so many women saying I get really uncomfortable. They would send me emails saying I get really uncomfortable so when men are that explicit, and so we had to just start deleting them. Now we have deleted a couple of women's. I'm trying. I I, I can remember maybe like two or three that we've deleted because that women have left that are too explicit. But there are so and often they're more about sex toys than about their spouse. Yeah, and um. And I mean, I've, I've, I've deleted a ton just because they were in bad taste or because they had swear words like or, totally or like treated sex cheaply. But I, I, I'm talking about about comments that treat sex actually quite well and that are healthy. But it's just that the directions they're giving are so explicit and it sounds weird to hear it from a guy. Like, you know what it is? And, and not just a guy. I'd also feel kind of awkward to hear from a woman, too, sometimes, because the thing is, no one has the right to tell you what to do with your genitalia but you. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Someone saying when you are married, you should be having frequent sex. You know, that's just a reality. In a good mm-hmm. marriage, frequent sex is important. Now, if you're in a marriage where there's emotional abuse issues or you're not feeling safe or there are serious sin issues that need to be addressed, that is a totally different situation. But like in general, yes, we can say have sex, you know, more than what you're doing now if you feel like you're in a deficit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like more sex is great. And when you have sex, let's vary it up. Let's do things that are exciting. Try things that are new. We have a whole thing of 24 sexy dares. Yes, you know, we like, do. We have nothing wrong with spicing things up. I mean, and again, that was a joint adventure that our whole yes. group did, which yes. is, which was awkward in the oh, itself. Oh, oh, but... let's tell people how we did it. Cause it's kind of funny. Yeah. So, so I set up, I set up this Google sheet, like your Google workbook, like what's it called? Google document, Google document. So Microsoft word, but in Google. And so that people could write stuff anonymously. And so, so we created the document together, but nobody knew who contributed what. Exactly. <laughs> so, Cause, you know how you can so... see, Cause you know how you can see whoever's online in the top right corner, you see anyone else's online and you just zip out of that thing yeah. so fast. So, so we all wrote the 24 dares, but nobody knows who on our team, you know, said what. And then I edited them all. So it was very funny because, yeah, yeah, you just don't want people to know. But and I think I think that that other parts of healthy sex information are saying, for instance, you know, these are erogenous zones. You want you want yeah. to focus on these zones. Here's all the different ways you can do it. You know, here's what manual stimulation would be like. Here's what oral stimulation would be like. Yeah. Um, or you could even say things where, you know, you can give instructions on like if a guy's like, I don't understand how oral sex works on women. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do down there. Like mm-hmm. some more directed information may be helpful. Yeah. But that's very different than painting a pornographic picture of when your wife went from not aroused to currently mm-hmm. orga- orgasm. Yeah. That's the difference is anytime it's like a story, like, and then I put my finger here and then I did this with my tongue. And then by that point she was in raptures. That yeah. feels like a pornographic fan fiction story. Yeah. Or something. It feels different. It, it feels very inappropriate. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. If your story of how to do something has a beginning, climax, and ending, you have <laughs> done it in too much detail. I think that's yeah. a pretty safe 
thing to say. Mm-hmm. I think that, because you can have a chapter in a book on how to perform oral sex, okay? Right. And it can be very explicit. This is why, like, you do talk quite explicitly about oral sex and stuff like that on stage. Like, you can say things about how, mm-hmm. like, you know, in general, here are some hygiene tips for if you're going to be doing this. Here yeah. are, you know, here's what he does with the mouth, and here's where it's supposed to go. Because there are honestly guys who have never had any experience with sex and they want to do a really good job and they need some explicit information but Mm -hmm. explicit information doesn't need to be that you're telling your wife's orgasm story yeah or 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 even just directing because not all all women like the same thing and here and here's some background information we actually my publisher actually went to a big name male author who shall remain nameless and asked him to endorse the good girl's guide to great sex And he read it and refused to do so because he said that my advice for the honeymoon night was not explicit enough and people wouldn't know what to do. And he felt that the reason that women are uptight is because they don't know what to do. And I just thought that was hilarious because he obviously didn't understand women at all because one of the biggest complaints that I heard about the act of marriage and why I tried to write the anti-act of marriage book was that it was way too explicit on what you were supposed to do that first time out. And what you and I have both found, Rebecca, and this is what we said in our honeymoon prep course, is that the point is to relax and figure out the arousal piece together and don't rush through it and don't worry about it. Exactly. And I think that the problem a lot of people find in marriage is that sex doesn't feel personal. You know, like Mm -hmm. sex is supposed to be this intimate thing. And it feels a little bit like you kind of lie there, you switch positions halfway through, he does this thing, you get, you might even get to orgasm every single time, but then it's just kind of something you do on a Thursday night. And even if it feels really good for both of you, it doesn't have that personal element. And I just can't And I just think about the fact that maybe it's because we're treating each other like a paint-by-number for orgasm, and Mm -hmm. we're not taking the time to embrace the kind of nuance of the fact that everyone's different, and you can learn new things about each other, and you can take time to study, and you can, you know, re... I don't want to use reinsert, but... And you can (laughs) put that mystery back in sex. You, kn- you know that Connor's going to leave that in. That's correct. Connor's going to leave that in. I know. When you edit okay, it, yes. yes. <laughs> you can reinsert the mystery into your sex life, okay? No, but you can you can take the time to figure out not just how to bring your spouse to orgasm, but how they work. And mm-hmm. I think that's the difference is I don't want to feel like someone is checking off the boxes mm-hmm. when you're going through sex. You want someone to feel like they're studying you personally, not what this author says that you personally would like. And that's what's so creepy about it to me. And again, like I am someone who has not experienced any sexual real hangups or anything. I was raised in a really healthy home when it comes to talking about sex. Like I was exposed to purity culture and stuff, but it never really affected me in my adult life. Like at all and even me as I'm reading through this as someone who works with her mother on posts <laughs> like how to find the g-spot like, again I am not an uptight person okay I am the person that most of the people in my friend group come to when they have really uncomfortable sexual questions okay like it just comes to the territory of this job but even I am reading this and it feels a little bit like this author is looking in my bedroom window and watching to make sure I get there yeah yeah and, and it's that's the problem is that 
it feels so personal the way he's talking it about feels kind of it feels voyeuristic and invasive it, it just does and and i don't believe that he meant that i don't believe no. that any of these male authors mean that and i don't know that it has the same effect when guys read it because like we said guys often um comment on the blog quite explicitly so i think that this might be something where to them like i think i think this is this is one of the bigger problems that we have with christian sex books is that a lot of men are looking in and they're saying look at all these women who don't have orgasms look at all these women who don't want sex the problem is obviously that they don't know enough about sex and that guys don't know enough about how to pleasure women so we're just going to lay it all out there and teach them and they're missing that there might be another part of it like yeah, that, that and i think yeah, that that is not really the main problem. And I know that I was actually quite surprised when we did our survey of 22,000 women. The women are actually far more orgasmic than we thought. Like more women are doing better than we thought. But that but just because they're orgasmic doesn't mean there aren't other issues. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of other things going on in marriage. So I think it's great to teach men and women how to make sex feel good. And I, I hope that I do that. And I, I think it's wonderful to help people uh, learn how to explore. And that's really what I'm trying to do. And, and Kevin Lehman actually says that in the book a lot, learn by doing, which I totally agree with. Like, you know, set the timer. What I say, he doesn't say this, but what I what I suggest in 31 Days to Great Sex uh, and, and the new version of that will be published in August of this year is, you know, set the timer for 10 or 15 minutes and have him just touch her and, and let's just figure out what feels good because she may not know. And it doesn't mean you have to touch her step by step as Kevin Lehman says, just, just touch her and figure it out yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And you know, there are a lot of people who do really enjoy books like this and who find them quite helpful. And that is great that they were able to find this helpful. Women too. You know, we did have women who 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 say this book really helped them. I actually the, thought it was quite a decent and book. And that's what we we're saying. We're not saying that this is an inherently harmful book the way that, you know, love and respect is, the way that that's found to like increase abuse and stuff like that among uh, people in our readership anyway. Um, we're not saying that this is what we have a problem with with this book. The problem is just that even if it helps some people, if it is helping some people by offering them a slightly less unhealthy <laughs> option, then why wouldn't we just try to work together to find a healthiest option that we can? And Yeah, and what I'm really excited about is that publishers are publishing more and more sex books by women, not just me, uh, but... Uh, but there's plenty of others as well. And I yeah, think in the last few years, the publishers are paying attention to this because I think the women's voice has just been missing. And I think that's that's what's being fixed right now. So I just, I, I'm really curious. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're a woman, go over to the post that is accompanying this podcast on our blog at lovehonorandvacuum.com. The link to this post is in the podcast description and leave a comment and let us know. Like, do you think some of that was a little bit too explicit? And I didn't even read the most explicit parts of the book, honestly. But but how do you feel with that level of explicitness? Is it helpful or is it not helpful? Or do you think that there's another way to talk about it that may be a better way? Mm -hmm. Because I'm all for naming body parts. I'm all for yeah. telling people how to find those body parts, etc. But I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to give you broad ideas and then let you figure out for yourself within, you know, those parameters. Exactly. I think that we just... The thing that we're really calling for is to start giving people the freedom to explore their spouses, to find out what makes them tick, and to stop this 
advice that is borderline pornographic and that kind of crosses those boundaries to become prescriptive and far too personal when it is completely unnecessary, when simple advice could do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So let me know in the comment section, too explicit, not explicit enough. You know, how can we do this better? Because let's get that conversation going. All right. Well, we have talked about how to get good advice before you're married that's actually healthy and non-creepy. And I thought maybe I should do some questions from newlyweds and just answer them really quickly because I have such a buildup of reader questions and I really want to get through them. So here is a woman who wrote me right before COVID broke about her wedding. So I don't know where her wedding plans are now, which is very sad. And I'm sorry for everybody in that situation. I really am. But she says, I am engaged to an amazing godly man and I can't wait to marry him. But also we were trying for a short engagement, but I asked to make it longer because I just feel emotionally unready. I don't know what this means, but I have moved a lot lately. I've finished studies. I'm making new friends. I'm trying to get a job. And with so many changes and money being tight, I just didn't want to get married yet. And I guess that's not going to happen anyway with COVID. Okay. I like to feel settled, but I also just don't feel ready to make this massive jump. How can I emotionally prepare for marriage? We're going to start some premarital counseling with a pastor and his wife soon, which I hope will help. Yes, very good idea. Second of all, this is really personal. I am so keen to have sex. I feel like I already have a really high sex drive, which is wonderful, except we're not able to express it yet, which I'm okay with, but I find myself imagining our wedding night. Is that wrong? And how can I stop? I feel like it's lusting, but I don't know how to prepare physically for marriage without thinking through what I'm looking forward to, what he would like, what I'm going to wear, etc. I don't want to justify my actions, though, and I'd really appreciate your thoughts. Okay, so we got two different things going on here. One is that she's not sure she's emotionally ready for marriage because there's been so many changes in her life and she feels like she needs to be more settled first, which is completely valid. And honestly, if you're ever about to make a big decision that's going to impact your life in a huge way and you feel like... I'm just not really sure. It's okay to take a step back. Now, with that being said, I understand that some people are like that about everything and have a very difficult time making a decision. And sometimes we do just need to jump in. So if you're someone who very rarely makes commitments and very rarely makes decisions, then probably that advice that I just gave is not the best for you. And you do need um, to seek other people's opinions. And if this is a good thing and you're holding back for the wrong reasons, then don't hold back. But in her case, it really does sound like she has some valid reasons for wanting to wait and be settled. And especially with what's going on in the world, if you're just feeling like now's not the time, that's all right. But what I would say is that use this time well then to really work on your emotional connection. One of the reasons I think that God wants us to wait for sex for marriage is because then we can build that emotional connection first. And it's that emotional connection, which is going to be the foundation from your for your marriage. It's not sex. And when we have sex too early, we can feel very intimate and very close. And that can mask what perhaps is actually some emotional distance where you don't really know each other that well. And often emotional vulnerability and openness stops at the level that you're at when you start having sex. So when you when you do have sex, you actually 
replace a lot of the emotional vulnerability with physical vulnerability instead. And then you don't get to know each other as well. So take this time to really work on getting to know each other emotionally. There's some wonderful books about questions you can ask each other about preparing for marriage. Uh, I'll try to link to some of those in the podcast uh, description post when I when I think of it. But do some of that and really be very intentional about your conversations. I also have some great posts on how to make sure this is the right person because I think often we spend so much of our engaged time dating and doing dating type things like going out for romantic dinners or going on a romantic bike ride. And it's also vitally important that you just go grocery shopping together or that you volunteer together or that you babysit some children together (laughs) and just see how someone acts in a normal situation, normal life situation. So you need to do life together too. And I will link to some of those posts as well. As for imagining sex, I think that's really natural. I think that most people when they're going to get married do start running through this in your head. And part of that is likely a good idea as you are getting closer and that you do want to know what to expect. And you do kind of want to emotionally prepare yourself for it in a good way. Our honeymoon prep course helps you with that a lot as well. It can help have some of those conversations with your fiance about how things are going to go when we start in a non-threatening way, non-awkward way, which hopefully will not ignite passions, so to speak, but will help you get on the same plane and help you um, know that each other is expecting roughly the same thing for that wedding night and for the honeymoon. And so I will put a link to that, the honeymoon prep course. It really is an awesome course to walk through and there's videos that go along with it. You can be doing this even during COVID while I'm watching those videos and then talking about them and doing the discussion questions too. So I'll put a link to that. So no, I don't think it's wrong you know, to think about it. I think your mind naturally goes there. What I would just say though, is that it's, it's not good to obsess over it or to daydream about it or, you know, or to deliberately plan on daydreaming about it. Like say, oh, I just want some time to myself and then lie down and daydream. Not a good idea. Okay. You don't want to awaken love before it's time as Song of Solomon says. And so as much as we can get away from that, that's good. And again, sometimes when we focus too much on the physical side of the relationship, we do miss the opportunities to really build that emotional connection. And the couples that do the best are the ones that really do build that emotional connection. I know one couple very close to me, they fought all the time in their premarital counseling and in those months leading up to the wedding. Like, and they had really, really big conflicts and it was, it was really big things they're working out. And, but the good thing is they worked that all out before they were married. Like they hashed out all of the really difficult stuff. And then when they were married, they hardly have fought at all because they did talk through so much of it. So what they found was that their engagement was really, really difficult but their marriage has been wonderful. So, you know, really do work on those questions, figure out if you are on the same page, try not to obsess about the wedding night. Although if you think about it, that honestly is okay. But again, if you do feel like, hey, I need to put the brakes on here, that is okay. This is the rest of your life and do not go into marriage lightly. Make sure that you treat it with the seriousness that it deserves. All right. And here's a question from a woman who is a newlywed and she's having a sex problem that she's hoping I can help her with. So she says, I got married in the fall and I had a lovely wedding and a lovely wedding night. Our sex life has been great and we're enjoying learning as we go, which is great. That's what we should be doing. There's one thing, however, that we can't quite figure out. For the first couple of months, my husband wasn't able to get me to orgasm at all. We decided to try me touching myself on the honeymoon with him there and working up from there. That worked just fine, but our goal of getting him physically involved wasn't successful. 
About a month ago, we found out that him rubbing my G-spot while I rub my clitoris works like a charm and gets me there a lot faster than I was used to. The problem is that I still can't reach my point unless my hand is somehow involved. We've tried it all, and while oral sex is nice, it doesn't get me to orgasm. Is there any way that my husband can stimulate my G-spot and clitoris simultaneously so that we can get over this hurdle? We're both getting a little discouraged, and thanks in advance. And P.S. She says, before marriage, I rarely, if ever, touched myself. It was only when I was engaged and reading up on stuff that I started trying to figure myself out. Okay. So first of all, yay, you figured out how to reach orgasm and you know what an orgasm feels like and you know how your different body parts work. And honestly, that's like 90% of it. Like you're, you're doing great. Okay. And, and I don't think that anybody should feel like they're doing badly because they're not at this ideal yet. As long as you guys are having fun and you're feeling good, you're doing good. And we can always aim for more or aim for discovering more things, but but let's not make ourselves feel like we're failing because we haven't reached an ideal. All right. They've only been married for a couple of months. They're doing great. There are so many women on our surveys who don't have orgasms for years. So she's doing amazing. <laughs> and by the way, I don't think that, that you should have to wait years to have an orgasm. Like let's figure this out together. Absolutely. But I just want her to feel like, yeah, you're doing, you're doing really well. But I think the next big step here is to figure out how he can um, help her reach orgasm by touching her clitoris. Uh, so it's great that they can do it with her touching herself. It's great that they can do it um, when he's rubbing her G-spot and she touches herself. But the next, the next thing I think would be to figure out how to help him learn how she likes to be touched. And the problem is it's a lot easier to reach orgasm by touching yourself because you've got biofeedback. Like your body is telling you not quite so, so heavy, a little bit more to the left. Like your body is telling you all of these things that you automatically react to. And so you don't even realize all the messages that you're getting from your body. And then he does something and it just doesn't feel quite right because he doesn't get that feedback. And so you've got to give him the feedback. So, you know, you can move his hand, you can show him what kind of pressure that you want. It can even be good for for you to be holding his fingers and using his fingers on yourself because then he still is experiencing the sensation. He sees how light you want it, how how heavy you want it, where you want it. As you get more and more aroused, you might want things faster or slower or whatever it might be. And so he needs to get that feedback by you showing him directly. And I know that that can be a little bit weird, but it sounds like they're doing pretty well with this. Like it can feel awkward, but it sounds like awkwardness isn't really their problem. So I would really suggest trying that. And it might take a while. And sometimes when things take a while, we women, we start to feel like this is taking too long. He must be getting tired. And when those messages are going in our heads, there's no way you're ever going to orgasm. So you need to let go of those feelings. One thing that can help in, and I talk about this in 31 Days to Great Sex, which will be out again in August, you'll be able to get it, is to set the timer and just tell yourself, okay, for the next 15 or 20 minutes or 25, however many minutes you want to you want to do it. He's going to touch me and this is his gift to me. And so I don't need to feel guilty if it lasts a long time, <laughs> because I think often we feel like this is lasting too long, even if it's only been like four or five minutes. And so if the timer is set for a much longer period than it would normally take anyway, then you get away from some of that. I should be going a lot faster. There's something wrong with me that often goes through our heads. And so I think that's the next step is just to help him figure out how to touch her exactly the way she likes. And then 
after that? Is there a way that he can touch your G spot and your clitoris at the same time? There can be, especially if you if you're using oral sex. You know, if he's using his finger on your G spot and tongue somewhere else, that can work. You know, you can try a variety of things. I'm sure that that. If you just practice, you'll come up with something. But it could be that the reason that oral sex isn't feeling good too is just for kind of the same reasons that him rubbing your clitoris isn't feeling good and that he's not getting exactly the right place. He's not getting the right level of stimulation or you're just kind of feeling like like it's taking too long. And so if you can get those three things out of the way by showing him exactly where you want, you want the attention or by setting the timer, then that can help as well. One thing that we don't pay attention to as well is our breathing. When we're stimulating ourselves, because we're getting that biofeedback ourselves, this doesn't become as much of an issue. But when someone else is stimulating you, sometimes just pay attention to your breathing. Because for some people, stopping breathing right as you're reaching the plateau phase or as you are getting more and more aroused, uh, can help you go over the edge. For some people, that's exactly the wrong thing to do. Some people need to be very still, you know, to reach orgasm and to go over that edge. And some people need to completely relax and not tense up at all. So just pay attention to your body as you are stimulating yourself to see what you naturally do. Because often we naturally do it when we're stimulating ourselves, but then when someone else stimulates us, because we start judging ourselves and thinking more about how we're acting, we don't do what necessarily comes naturally. So see what comes naturally for you and then pay attention to doing that as well when he is the one stimulating you. I hope those are some tips, but the big thing is just don't feel like you're failing. If you're having a good time, keep having a good time and explore and try new things. It's great that they discovered this on their own as well. So I think if they keep discovering and trying things, I think they'll get some real breakthroughs. So way to go. All right. So thank you for joining us on this very weird to love, honor and vacuum podcast where we've talked about how to handle explicit ad- advice, sex advice without getting weird. And then I also did a lot of explicit sex advice. So I hope that I wasn't weird. <laughs> but as we are all battling COVID, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with all of us as we just try to negotiate this, this new normal. And I hope that as you guys are stuck inside the house together, that you'll just, hey, start having some fun. <laughs> and make this a time to remember even if we are in a whole bunch of crises. So remember to join me at tolovehonorandvacuum.com where we do talk about sex pretty much all the time. This month we're doing a big series on porn, the effects of porn, what it does to us, how to recover from porn completely, and how to be careful that the next generation doesn't get enslaved by porn. So please, uh, it's an important series and join us for that because this is something we all need to know about. Even if porn isn't affecting your marriage, we need to understand what porn actually does. And then again, I so appreciate everybody who rates the podcast five stars and leaves a review. It really helps other people find it. So please remember to rate, review, and of course, subscribe so that you won't miss a To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast, even during the time of COVID. We'll see you next week.